Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome back to Independent Americans. Welcome back to episode 254. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. We're wrapping up our holiday and sleeping off a food coma, but I still wanted to deliver a few more tasty bites of the five eyes for you to enjoy over your holiday break. So here's the second part of my amazing conversation with hip-hop icon Chuck D. This half is a little more fun and a great look back before we head into the holidays and the new year. I'll be back in December with more great all-new content for you. But for now, here's the rest of this amazing conversation with a true American icon. Welcome to part two with Chuck D. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 254. Chuck, you, you kind of touched on it, and I don't know the answer. There's a lot of folks who listen to this show are independent, unaffiliated. I talked a lot about how important independents are, how a lot of young people especially are rejecting both parties. They want more options. They can order 9,000 things on Amazon, but they only have two parties on the ballot. What's your, what's your opinion? Are you, are you a Democrat, oh, and, and what do you think about, or are you something else? How do you classify yourself? And what are your thoughts on third-party options, other options beyond the two that we have right now with the Republicans and the Democrats? Well, I call myself a, a earthicin and a, you know, number one, that tells you I'm not a citizen of no one place. Yeah. And I call myself a culturalist. Out of those two defini- self-definitions, I'm able to, to, to look at, like, for example, what does voting mean to me? If I'm living in the United States, well, I better understand if I pull my truck out of my driveway and hit a pothole, where do I go to first? Do I go to, to, to Chris Paul State Farm commercials or do I go to figure out how the town got to fix this pothole in the street? So local always means like, OK, the, who's running the school board? Oh, all this money went to the school board. So what's the process here out of, of maybe my nephew or my my kids are grown now, but, you know, who paid for that? How was that processed and all that? Why is this so hidden? You know, so that always got me early on before you even. And it's a climb up. It's a climb up to be able to comprehend and, and understand after the climb, the presidential beauty pageant of the United States. But if you don't understand the local, you got problems. And that's what made this year different, Paul. Young people marched on the local in protest of, of police brutality, especially after the George Floyd murder. And they, they, they pretty much like, all right, stay inside, all right? They know they got the governing order from their state and local officials to stay in their homes or they will be, you know, kind of visited or dealt with or whatever. Mm. So when that happened, they marched directly in their domain. They marched in their domain pulling down statues eventually. And it shows like when 45 said, look, I'm going to give out 10 year sentences. If you pull down another statue, government executive order, no matter how derogatory it might've been, that just showed people like, whoa. But really it showed everybody around the world that young people immediately walk, young energy, I should say, 
protested in their local environments. They didn't go to, everybody didn't go to D.C. You can't probably all get to D.C. because of many of the, the restrictions. So they went in their local and they made a statement that, that hey, y'all got to kind of change up, reform. Re they might not came with the actual definitions of what reform would be or is, but they said, this is, whatever that is, it got to change. So Chuck, they came, they came with this anger, righteous anger. We talk about this show is called mm -hmm. Angry Americans because we say, right. if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. And in right. many ways, you kind of embody this because you, you, you express the anger, but you also turn it into positive impact, right? You're channeling that into positivity, into forward movement, into, I think, you know, culture and making the world a better place. And, and that's the spirit of what we're exploring on this show a lot. But it's also yeah. this foundational spirit of America, whether it was right. George Washington or, or Martin Luther King or Harvey Milk, right? A gener generations of Americans who were angry and turned it into something. So the question I've been dying to ask you, maybe more than any other guest we've ever had on this show, Chuck D., what makes you angry? Well, you should feel um, selfless knowing that if you see something that's unjust under somebody else, you should be kind of upset about that. So when somebody tosses it back to you, oh, you should be so happy and privileged. But at the same time, somebody right next to me is suffering and you can't recognize that? You don't have no empathy for that? Um, that should make you angry that somebody says you should be an individual, be, be happy about your privilege and be quiet because this is what's going down. So that, that has always made me upset um, when you saw the stifling of, of voices and spirits um, and then people kind of looking the other way because it wasn't them, mm. you know. And I, I think you, it all comes out in the wash, man. We're all living on this world together, man. I mean, maybe those, those four astronauts that went up in SpaceX ain't, ain't right on the planet right now, but the gravity's still holding them in. So that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Can you, talk, can you talk about that, Chuck? I've done, you know, I've, I've, I think it's been inspiring and I, I get your tracking on it. I've been, you know, showing my boys that all the time. I mean, what's, what's your take on, on the SpaceX, on the rockets, on, on all of this exploration that's happening up there right now while we're, you know, in, in, in many ways smacking each other around down here? Science is one thing. Commerce is another thing. And um, I think it's a combination of what they call it, what the old Thomas Dolby record. I, I'm going back and dating my twenties. It's like you she blinded me with science. Yeah. But instead of the S's, you got the dollar sign <laughs> over there. And I just think that, um, hey, listen, man, if you don't take care of what you got, man, how you going up there clamoring for what for for more? It's like like you know, uh, we got a buffet society. You know what the buffet society is, is that the buffets out there, people are already chewing, but they're going up to, it's like, you, you got food in your mouth, man. This is chewing and swallowing all, you're back at the buffet line because you want more and more and more. I don't know if that tapped into a human glitch or not, but I'm saying that taking care of this planet has to be a, a priority. And governments have to convene to, uh, to understand that that's the priority, even if they have differences. Uh, testosterone is a is a is a is an ugly chemical drug. <laughs> so, and 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 what we've seen is much of the world has been corrupted by testosterone. So I, I really feel that 
a future world, the the numbers and women in the administration and governing positions have to kind of even out. Um, you know, I mean, if somebody had to say what white supremacy is in the United States of America, yes, the old white guy who's usually makes the final decision. And that's where we kind of get right back into those old troubles again. Mm. Not to say that, 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 um, that there was, should be no qualifications, but there should be at least some kind of order to be able to learn what the rules are before you get up into that game. Mm-hmm. And we've known that the, the rules have always been some keep away or the opportunities have been kept away. So going and looking for another place into outer space, there's a certain reason why the unknown is the unknown. And I think you could scratch at it, but really when it comes down to it, the universe as we see it from the floor right here is a violent place as much as it looks beautiful. Mm. and it's a violent universe bro mm. as much as we can understand or comprehend all that so that's what science at least if you want to call it a, a true thing when you look into those heavens these places are, are, are apart and, and got its own thing going on that we can't even imagine take care of where you're at man, and, and, and span the span that you got this seems like a simple thing Right. So it seems like a simple thing. Glad I asked you that. You know, I mean, we can't get you to run for mayor, but maybe we can get a campaign to have Elon Musk send you up when they start sending civilians up, because that would be uh, that, that I, I would Bro. be I would be OK with you being a cultural we, ambassador to the universe, man. That would be a good role. Man, for we are. We listen, listen, we all we all will become part of the universe when we go and, and transition out of this existence because everybody going to die. You know, you just won't want people, if you're in this existence, then treat this as best as you can, mm. or treat the this existence of of whatever it, we might think it is as best as you can, because everybody going on to wherever we can't understand anyway, so we don't know what that is. So that's a good way to ambassador people while we're all living to treat this pretty good, right? Because yep. <laughs> we're ushering everybody into the next realm anyway. So, so before, before we usher people into that realm, I got to ask you real quick to... Break down for me, Biden and Harris. Give me like you're you're a great sports fan, right? And and if we get a second to talk about sports, I know you're tracking on the draft. I know you're 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 closely watching all that's happening in sports. But just if you know if if you were to break them down as you know political athletes, right? Um, right. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. What do you see? Joe Biden is that that thirty seven year old center, the shaky knees. But, you know, he reminded me of like a, a, a guy like Avita Sabonis <laughs> back with the Portland Trailblazers who was way past his prime. He's seven foot three. And, and when he looked up against a young super jock like Shaquille O'Neal, he says, listen, I'm this guy's size, but I'm not this guy's physical superiority. I can't jump. I can't run anymore. My knees are wobbly. But... Give me the ball backdoor pass. Mm. I'm going to throw passes that a lot of people won't be able to see. Now, I got this person who's a blue chipper named Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't know. They're going to under kind of underplay her abilities to actually penetrate, shoot from the outside, score, but all that. But she's got to grow into this game with my protection. 
Because if I'm out of the game, she can't get those backdoor passes because everybody's going to throw transmitted passes that are going to get picked up and the opposition is going to be on smash. I, I do firmly believe that Kamala Harris will probably be necessary to assume the presidency of the United States. But I think the presidency of the United States needs an energy mm. that needs to be times two. And I don't I didn't see that from anybody else. I, of course, I see it from a lot of people who are, might be like 55 and under. You know, there, there's some energies out there. A good friend, Cory Booker, is one of those guys. But is it, is it also socially in the United States with its demographic and its polarization too close to Obama? Matter of fact, they're like saying if Kamala Harris was a male, that's too close to Obama. So it's the looking the other way of USAers. And the reason I don't say USAers, I don't call them Americans. You know why? Because all of this is America. North, Central, South, and the Caribbean is all America. So you're talking to somebody from Chile, they're American, they're South Americans. So I don't get lazy with that term. United States of Americans are one country inside the Americas that necessarily could lead with better example and better standards uh, on, on how this hemisphere could be better instead of trying to go by the Teddy Roosevelt 125 years ago, you know, bully him with a big stick. But that's my own opinion. But I, I do think that for the longest period of time, not only have we seen polarization, but we've seen a United States that definitely wasn't united. Mm. It says it hadn't been united for a long time. Instead, you know, it's united when, like, if I, you know, if I committed a crime in one state and I try to get to another state, then they're going to unite. But if we're trying to build and do the right thing, mm. they 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 start filibustering, arguing, and yelling at each other, and nothing gets done. But if you, you know, you commit crime in one. What you have is the fraternal order of police. All of a sudden, even if they have their differences, they connect mm. and they unite as a union force. So that's respected to a certain degree because you need policing of society, but you don't need policing of society and its different favoritisms. Like, yeah, they're policing, but they're policing property owners and property more than the people that's living there or people that's renting. Those human beings mean nothing to them. Matter of fact, they're not even human. They're concerned about the building. That's what people don't like. Mm -hmm. It's like, listen, my father would tell me clearly growing up in Harlem, he said, back then, yeah, police would go upside your head if you tested them. They give you warning. They knew your family. They knew your name. They walked the beat. Yes, it was Harlem. They could walk the beat. But today, you know, my, my dad passed in 2016. He was like, yeah, but this thing that's going on lately, meaning the last 30 years where you talk to me, like, uh, he's like, they don't, they don't, they not, they're not policing the beat. They're walk, they're going around in tanks. Right. right. Surveillance. They're, just, they're, they're on a mission when they come in from the outside, policing an area full of renters and people they don't view as family. Hmm. When you don't view someone as family, Right there, it, it turns into an adversarial type of situation. Mm. You know, if, if me and you, we, we roll together, and I know that your kids or my kids could be family too, and I think nothing about it, man, then all of a sudden it's like we can't. 
We all can as human beings. We all can as a human race. But that has been split up, divided, conquered by not only the governments, but also all the religious factions that also form governments or actually come up out of that as well. Despite all that, despite all that, Chuck, you're still bringing people together. You know, your new work is bringing people together. Your your, your energy brings people together. And and we are in search of inspiration and positivity, I think, especially in times like this. So I want to ask you a question I ask of all of our guests. Chuck D., what makes you happy? Oh, what makes me happy? Art and music. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I've, um, their art has been therapy for me right throughout my life. When my dad passed in 2016, I, I once again found the artistic side of me and, and drawing and painting that I had my first 25 years of my life. And then I did 30 years of music, full blast. I still have infused my art into my music. It's the same brain. But then when he passed, I kind of revisited that full steam when all the music is the underlying um, thing underneath that. So um, that makes that makes me uh, personally happy. I, I, I could drift into my own world. Um, and then uh, happiness is 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 your family and friends close friends that that happen to do well and right now we're entering a period where well the well-being of of all of us is is in a precarious position is a precarious zone so you should also be have empathy for everybody even some of the worst haters out there you know it's all right to you say damn man that's where you at i feel sorry for you mm. I hope that gets fixed. I hope somebody could do that. Hope you get love somewhere, man. Honestly, but but mental illness now in the digital age is a real thing because now it comes comes is channeled through a device that that or a gadget that's attached to your hip and head. Mm. Once attached to the hip, then to the hand, then to the head, then down the stream, like you know, right in the stream of of of, of, of your consciousness into your sub. Uh, in unconsciousness. So my good friend who's no longer here, we've lost a lot of people in culture. Yeah. Prince who lost four years ago, who transitioned off into wherever his energy might be. He said in 1999, right? He says, Chuck, man, we got to be able to manage these gadgets because if you don't manage them, they'll master you. Mm-hmm. And AI ain't going to get dumber, bro. And our level of intelligence and intellect can only come up to a certain point. So we only collectively can kind of like stave off AI from really, you know, spinning a, a you know, it's yawn. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving no apocalyptic battles like AI versus human beings, but individually, you're not going to conquer the the machinery of what's to come. Yeah. You're not. You're not. It's going to touch too many things. I mean, it's designed to do to do such. So, collectively, you have to have a society that 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 kind of knows what it is, comprehends it, and just doesn't respond to data, because data can be flipped, changed, scrambled. What they call it in the Waffle House when you're getting um, the battered, scattered, yeah, scattered. scattered. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's that's hey, hey, Paul. That's data right now. 
Dude, if, if it would be the most genius ad campaign ever if Waffle House just let you read the menu. Just let you read the menu and riff. They would never have to sell another waffle again because it would just be classic. It would be classic. Hey, hey I vote. I, I'm part of the, to, to the Georgia voting contingent <laughs> to help turn, you know. Yeah, you voted in Georgia? Blue state. Yes, I voted in Georgia. Excellent. I voted in Georgia. I voted in the county, man. That's that's so red, man. That th- there's not anybody else running against them. Huh. So for years, I was like, you know, I've been voting here. One day, one day, it could probably turn around. Although I'm not like a Democrat, Democrat, like I. But it just can't be red, 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 or it can't be blue or red. Remind me of Bloods and Crips, man. It's like, mm-hmm. come on. But in this case, in this year, it had to change, man. It had to change. And um, uh, big up to Stacey Abrams for really um, motivating the force in Georgia. And then, listen, my mother and my sister who worked all day, especially my sister worked all day in the voting uh, uh for the voting uh, areas. I mean, I'm going, and my daughter also voted, I think New York or Georgia, my oldest one, and my middle one for New York. So I had the New Yorkers in the family voting New York, California, it's from Cali, and, and in Georgia, you know, I had to, you know, keep hope, hope and faith alive on that one. So mm. you, you, you get in the system, or you get into the law to fight the law to change the law. It don't work another way around, man. Mm. It's hard to fight. Once you start fighting the law from the outside, then it's war. And war ain't a thing that just spurred out like, yeah, we'll go to war. You know, <laughs> I know, Paul, I know you'd be shaking your head like when cats are like, well, if we got to go to war. Then if it's war, what it is what it is, then we'll go to war. It's like, yo, <laughs> don't use. I've been to too many places in the world, man. Don't. Use the word war, man. Mm. I was in I was in Bay, uh, Beirut speaking there, right? And I saw a line eight miles coming out of Syria from Damascus just to get into Beirut. Mm-hmm. Eight miles talking to cats, like yo, man, Chuck. All the people talk rappers from Syria, like cats talking about war, man. Yo, man. My whole everything is reduced to rubble. They don't know what it's like to pick food out of rubble to feed your surviving child. So it's like, yo, man, war ain't like we're going to go to war, then we're going to go back to the crib and then watch American Idol because, because the streets is tough, son. The streets is hard. No, you could leave the streets and go back and get that grilled cheese sandwich and then, you know, take a piss, take a shit, whatever, man. War is on 26 hours a day, man. Yep. So you got to negotiate taking a shit, piss, or what the yep. hell. Yep. So don't talk war, because you don't know nothing about it. Or, or mm-hmm. talking to the people on my trips to Africa, mm-hmm. Liberian refugees walking from Liberia through Cotivar to get to Ghana, because they can't plant in Cotivar Ivory Coast is French speaking. They speak in English from walking from Monrovia, right? Besieged by civil war, walking across a, a country to get to a country to just be able to be 
refugees there because Ghana was accepted. Don't bring up water there, man. Mm. Yo, man, it's tough in the streets, man, here in, in Camden, man, New Jersey. So we going to war, man. It's like, no, you're going to, you're going to local conflict and hopefully you have resolution. You're not going to war, though. That's perspective. That's perspective. We, if I had to go to war, you're a guy I'd go to war with. But now that we're waging peace, I'm honored to be doing it even in your orbit. And your orbit is a powerful and inspiring place. It always has been. It always will be. Uh, I want to just give you a, a small token of my appreciation. I wish we could do this in person. We can't do yeah. that. Hopefully we'll do it at some point soon. But I have to present you some gifts virtually. So uh, peace time. The, the Angry American uh, shirt is coming your way. Uh, thank you. Or maybe one of the ultimate Angry Americans. I know you don't drink, but you can give this to a real B or someone else. Be real or someone oh, else. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or uh, 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 DJ Lord or probably Statue. Yeah, and it's me. Uncle Nearest. I don't know if you're familiar with Uncle Nearest, but they have been a big supporter of this show, um, named after Nearest Green, uh, the first uh, uh, African-American well, master distiller. That's something, huh? Yeah. Well, Jeffrey I, I, Wright, I think, our friend Jeffrey Wright, introduced us to this and has brought them on board, so I'll send you some of that. That's nice. That's nice. And uh, this is Jeffrey Wright. This is going to be fun. The Rorschach que question of our show. Every guest has answered this. There are three colors of peeps, Chuck D. Pink, blue, and yellow. Which color of peeps does Chuck D choose and why? Um, I like blue because of blue skies. I love a blue sky, man. And not not just because it's in the Knicks uniform. No, the Knicks uniform is is dark uh, navy blue. Yeah. Can you coach the Knicks? Can you fix the Knicks while you're fixing the world and, and while you're fixing the world and the universe and music? Can you maybe get in there and fix the Knicks a little bit too? Uh, I'm very close to the Knicks. I defer to my guys at Nick Fan TV <laughs> and also Nick of Time Show. And also writers that are on the beat in New York, like Alan Hahn and people like that. I got my fans. See, I'm a, I'm a firm believer, although I've been a Nick fan, staunch Nick fan and supporter. I sit in my fan seat and just wish and hope for the best, just like the Jets and the Mets. And I just ain't going to change my team and just hope they get for the better. But the Knicks had a, a great draft. And um, and I just think that, that they're in the right direction because they're bringing some wisdom to coaching, and I like the energy they had with the previous coaches. Like I, I like Fizdale and all that, but I think New York is is a is a melting pot. It's a big city. It's micro square, a microwave square garden, and you got to <laughs> come. In, you got to come into New York, man. You can't be like, oh my God, New York, because you will get reduced if you don't handle the intensity. And then back in the day, New York was social media haven before social media, yeah. you know? So you got to come in there like with your antennas up, but you have to, you have to train to be ready for New York. Mm. You just can't come in and be part of New York and be ready for the rest of the world. Everybody got a target on you. You got to learn how to live, play, build with New Yorkers. And it's just not, it's not really a place for pretty shit. It's just a, a, about go at it and do it. The fans go at it. They get it done. They, you know, uh, the, the beautiful thing about New York, which makes it different, that I know that my if I consider myself to be rounded with culture, 
before I left the United States in 1987 and got my first passport, I got that from New York. Because New York is like your cheek and jowl with somebody who totally does not look like you, might come from a different background, but you're traveling together on the on the probably just one of the most uniting transit systems in the planet Earth, and that's the New York transit system, where that regardless of what you think before social distancing, you was like right up here <laughs> with somebody. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe a fly, a fly girl, but, <laughs> but but you're like right there. And you got to get, you got to get past that point of knowing that you have to, you know, deal with people. Mm. You got to deal with people. That's a good you lesson. Know, That's a good oh, lesson. I hate people. You can see people up there. I hate people. Yeah, but you catching the train. Ain't so much of that hatred going to go long or far on that one. So, uh, I mean, I, New York, if you pay attention, New York is the best teacher of the world. Mm. I I couldn't agree more, man. And and you are, you know, uh, people have been saying New York tough. I think you are the embodiment of New York tough, and it represents the best of what this country and this world is all about. And New York is is a fantastic professor, but so are you, man, Professor Chuck D. The great. I, I would I, I would say this one thing, Paul. Please. And this is what what New York tough has to come. New York. Humility. Yeah. Because everybody can tell when a New Yorker walk in a room in the United States of America, and they sometimes feel intimidated. Sometimes they could get overtaken by the New York, and that's, I mean, 45 proved that. Mm-hmm. How he pulled his three-card money trick on the rest of the United States was just some old New York hustle game, right? Yep. Right? Yep. So I'm yep. just saying, exactly. the yep. way the way that people feel when a New Yorker walks in a room, like kind of like taking aback, like, damn, why you got New York on the shoulder walking like this? And uh, that's how the rest of the world feels about people from the USA. We could tone down that mm-hmm. a bit and fit in to the world and have it what you call cultural exchange, mutual exchange. You learn from me, I learn from you. You know, okay, that's your background. I don't feel it, but you made me feel it a little bit more like you're going to feel me. I don't have any anything against somebody who they consider their hero. Years ago, I said most of my heroes on the pier and uh, on the stamp, because they didn't. Mm. But I'm like saying, well, this is how I feel about my hero. And, you know, that's what your hero is? Cool. You know, I, I have people that, that I that have close to me that I swear, they 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 swear. I mean, they, at the holy grail of Ronald Reagan. But I'm like, cool. That's your thing? Cool. You take my Farrakhan, I'll take your Reagan. We good. Still my neighbor. We, we, we good. That, that, is, that is the message for our times. I'm going to end with that. And thank you for all you do for the city, the state, the country, the America, the world, the universe. You are an incredible voice for so many and I, I'm just grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful for your inspiration. I'm grateful for your work. And I'm, I'm so humbled and grateful that you joined me on this show to share all of it. Thank you, my dear friend, the great and powerful Chuck D. Stay frosty, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. All the best, Paul. What a conversation. Chuck is the best.
Hopefully I can have him back on soon. And we've got some other great conversations lined up for you in December and into the new year already. And every Wednesday, be sure to check me out at 3 p.m. Eastern on News Nation with Colin McShane. I'll be doing my weekly segment there. And on MSNBC's Deadline White House, also on Wednesdays, between the 4 and the 6 o'clock hour, now with guest host Alicia Menendez. And of course, check us out on social media and go to independentamericans.us, where you can join our Patreon community and you can get some awesome Independent Americans gear for the holidays. Get it now, support the movement, and give people some cool stuff that they're not going to get anywhere else. As we head into the holidays now in full force, we remember the past but we also look ahead to the future. And people, that future can look bright because that future is full of independence because independents are the future. And we're not alone in our independence, especially this holiday season. You can feel it growing. America is more divided than ever, but we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are working to change that, adding light to contrast all the heat of the other political shows. And it'll keep you warm this holiday and all winter long. So if you're among that 50% of Americans who are independent, you know this is your show. And if you're a Republican or a Democrat and you're shopping around this holiday season, this is your show too. Or if you're just a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. All are welcome. I invite you to be a part of the solution, especially this holiday season. Because our independent movement is the hope for the future. It's like a little political, social, cultural holiday cheer. Country over party, people over politics, light over heat, disrupting that status quo and fueling a new movement all across our country. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it far and wide. Be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to now. Share it with your future self. Throw it ahead to yourself in the new year. Make a New Year's resolution to share this and listen more often. And I'll make a New Year's resolution to rest my voice. And I'll be asking Santa for some cough drops and throat lozenges in my stocking. And invite others to declare their independence. And stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And hope is the oxygen of our democracy. And it will keep you vigilant all through this tumultuous time. And know you're not alone in your vigilance, especially this holiday season. We're all vigilant, and we're all in this together. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Hamas. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. I hope you had an excellent Thanksgiving, and stay vigilant, America. And welcome to the holidays. Media.